morning, uh, if you would, go with me to John chapter 13. John chapter 13. I have, this is just for the fun of it, I have four full pages of notes. You're like, oh boy. But um, if you will, if you'll move quickly with me, and if you can write quickly, I, I, I've got a, the reason there's a lot of a lot of four and there's four pages of it is because I have a lot of passages of scripture that I have fully typed out without having to turn to all of them. Hopefully, go a little bit smoother and quicker through uh, these thoughts in in giving a lot of different passages of scripture this morning. And uh, so, if you're writing, you're going to want to write fast. If you can't read your writing when you write fast, get with me and I can make you a copy of the notes if you need them, all right? But, um, but we're, we're going to look this morning. It is the last day, as I mentioned, last, last day of 2023. And uh, how interesting it is that it's the last day of this year is a Sunday that we can end 2023 uh, giving, giving the Lord the first fruits of our week giving him the first moments of our time uh, and the first focus of our day. And, uh, and here we are seeing the, the closeout uh, of a year that for some, I'd say, let's just say it this way, for most of us, uh, we've all, we can all pretty much look and say, um, I can remember some really, really good times in 2023. And we can look and say, I can remember some really, really rough times in 2023. And then there are those days where we don't remember anything in 2023. Um, but as a whole, it's like every year. You ever noticed how unique it is that nothing ever changes? It pretty much is the same every single year. We talk about at the end of an old year and looking at a new year, we talk about the things that we don't know that are coming. We talk about the blessings that we don't know are coming. We talk about the sorrows that we don't know are coming. And I say it every single year, and I'll probably keep doing it just because it's the truth and it's not a bad thing to remind us of. If we knew what was coming and what we were going to face in 2024, we'd just go ahead and throw the towel in now. You say, well, that's depressing. No, that's just truthful. If we truly knew what was coming where we are today, where we are in our mind, where we are in our ability to face things in this moment, if we knew what was going to be in our life before the end of 2024, we would not be as a whole ready for it right now. And we just say, forget it. I ain't doing that. I ain't going through that. But as you go through the year, may I remind you, even the rough things that you go through, uh, the Lord uses even the difficult things to prepare you for what's next because if I didn't go through the difficult training times there's no way I would survive what he knows is coming into my life so the Lord takes us through the year learning and growing having the ups and the downs and when the year is over you look back and you say how how did I survive all of that then you look at a new year, and you have to wonder, Lord, what are you going to bring me through this year? What are the highs, the excitement times, the wonderful things, the things that were like, wow, 
And what are the low times? Uh, many, many of us, if not all of us, would say we would much rather live on the mountaintop than in the valley. <laughs> but you'll die in the mountains. You can't survive at the mountaintop 24-7. It gets really cold, it gets really lonely, and the air gets real thin. You can, you can enjoy the view for a while, but you got to come back down to the valley because the valley is where school takes place. The valley is, is, is where we learn. The valley is where we recoup. The valley is where we prepare. It's where you restock for the climb to be able to enjoy the view of the mountain again. you got to have the valleys. You can't just live on the mountains. But it does take both, and God brings both into our life each and every year. But I, th- this morning, what I want to look at, and I, I want to give you j- four simple, and, and it's, it's, very, it's alli- alliterated, all right? So all, each, each of these will, will be uh, a, a, uh, a word that starts with the letter B. So fancy. But uh, just four things uh, that will kind of give us, uh, here, here's your title, and so here's the focus for this morning to learn through these four things. Finding happiness in the new year. Finding happiness in the new year. The Bible actually describes to us how a child of God finds happiness. Now, we can follow God's way of finding happiness, or we can follow society's way of finding happiness. By the way, I'll just give you a little spoiler alert. Um, If you follow society's way, you will find happiness, but it will only be temporary, and you'll have to constantly be refeeding yourself and reproviding for yourself the happiness because it just doesn't seem to last. It's there and gone, there and gone, there and gone. It's not true joy. But you can find contentment and true joy and happiness through God's process. And uh, and this morning, we're going to look at that. I'm going to try to go as quickly as possible. So if you're with me there in John 13, uh, look with me at verse number 12 uh, down to verse number 17. Now, in this passage, you'll find that this is the time frame when, when Christ is washing the feet of his disciples. They're not all thrilled about it. They're very puzzled with it and not quite sure what he's doing, but he has a purpose and he explains towards the end of what we're going to read what that purpose is. But starting in verse number 12 of John chapter 13, it says, So after he had washed their feet and had taken his garments and was set down again, he said unto them, Know ye what I have done to you? Ye call me Master and Lord, And ye say, well, for so I am. Funny, there he is again, talking about there's there's the the I am's. But he said, I am, I'm, I'm your master and Lord. And you do well to know that and say that. Verse number 14, if I then, your Lord and master, have washed your feet, ye also ought to wash one another's feet. Now, don't, don't get afraid. We're not gonna go having foot washings here in the church, um, uh, there's some things that just need to remain unseen. And my feet are some of them, all right? But he's not necessarily commanding that we should still wash each other's feet. It's the principle of what he's teaching them, that he's telling them they should be observing one for another. 
Verse number 15, for I have given you an example that ye should do as I have done to you. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. If ye know these things, happy are ye if ye do them. Now, what he's teaching here uh, as a whole is he's teaching humility and servant spirit. He's teaching. He said, here I am. You call me master and Lord, and, and you do well to, to know who I am. But learn from me and my example. I, as your master and Lord, as your teacher, as your leader, I will humble myself and wash your feet in order to serve you. Because Jesus taught over and over again, the greatest among you is the servant among you. Not the leader. I'm in charge. Well, that doesn't mean you're the greatest. Uh, matter of fact, the more you have to boast and, 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 and define how much you're in charge, you may not really be in charge. But here's the thing. He's saying, I am the master and the leader. You are the followers. I am the teacher. You are the disciples. And yet, as the teacher... I'm willing to humble myself and serve you and bless you and be a servant unto you for your benefit. And what he's telling them is, I am showing you an example of how ye should teach, how you should teach, and, and, and how you should treat one another. Teaching humility. Loving one another with humility. And what he says here, verse number 17, is, that is the key. If you know these things, how do you get happiness in the new year? Happy are ye if ye do them. Where does God's happiness come from? Where does the, the joy come from uh, with what the, the process the Lord teaches? Ultimately, he teaches knowing truth. And doing that which is true produces genuine happiness. So where do you get truth? Well, this, the, the sake of being a little obvious, where do we get God's instructions of what we should know? What we should do? How we should act? <laughs> the way we should think? I mean, where, where does it all come from? Well, for the child of God, for those who say, hey, I believe in God. I believe I place my faith and trust in Christ. I know that I'm a child of God through the blood of Jesus Christ. I know that, that I am uh, in, in this life, yes, living here on earth, but I have a much better place awaiting me because of what Christ has done for me, and I've received that salvation. I know where I'm headed. Wonderful. How do I live here? How do I live in this life? How do I find happiness in the misery of this life? Again, it comes down to happy are ye if ye do them. What? If you do those things which we know Christ has taught us through his word. So I want to give you four things this morning that the child of God can do. And may I say, if you don't know Christ as your personal Savior, if you don't know 
with certainty according to God's plan that you are forgiven of your sins by receiving Christ as your Savior and accepting that salvation that is offered, may I say that is the first step. Everything we're going to talk about um, is, is after knowing for sure that you are a redeemed child of God through the blood of Jesus Christ. But once you have that settled, then through Christ and through truth from God's word, we have the ability to be happy and find genuine happiness in the new year. Not that everything is going to be good in the new year. Not that everything's going to be perfect in the new year. Not that you're just going to be, whoa, boy, nothing goes wrong anymore in 2024. <laughs> no. 2024 probably holds more shocking things for us than we could possibly ever imagine. I believe in 2024, we're going to see more things take place worldwide that we never thought we would be the generation to see. And I believe it'll turn our world upside down. Does that mean that I have to lose my happiness because circumstances destroy what I expected to happen in 2024? No. I have the ability to understand happiness through following that which Christ has given us to do, not just hear, to know and to do. Well, that's enough of an introduction. Let me, let me pray, and then we're going to dig into these four things. Y'all hold on, and uh, if you're writing, get ready to make, uh, make smoke on paper, all right? It's going to happen here in just a moment. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much for this morning, for the chance to open up your word, to look at the truth from it. Pray that, Lord, you bring it together for us and help us to understand and comprehend this truth that is so clear from your word that we can follow these things and understand genuine happiness regardless of the circumstances of life in 2024. Would you help us to see it? Help us to, Lord, accept and place deep within our hearts and in our minds uh, the truth that we see this morning and take it with us each and every day. We ask it all in Christ's name. Amen. So let's look at this. Four things the child of God can do to ensure a happier year and finding happiness. So he talks about being humble. He's dealing with the humility and the humbleness of being a servant in doing those things which we have been taught to know. Well, what is the first one? Well, it's, it, this is going to seem real elementary, but uh, here's the basic, okay? The first one, believe. That's deep. And I'm not trying to be shallow in what I'm teaching because it actually is deeper than what we go to. When we talk about belief, um, what, what we're looking at and what we're talking about here goes deeper than just, oh, I believe, I believe he exists. Oh, I believe he's there. Oh, I believe he's going he's gonna to help. I believe this. I believe. And we're not just talking about the shallow I believe. But uh, let me put it this way. A dynamic faith will enable us to face discouragement and empower us to live victoriously in Christ Jesus. Our faith in his power to supply every need will, uh, that we have uh, in this new year, will give us every reason to rejoice. Because no matter what happens, if I still, if I know what I know, and I know what I believe, and I hold to that which I believe to be true, no matter what happens, that which is true doesn't change. 
No matter what happens, that which I am firmly founded on does not change. If my foundation, if my rock is within uh, the ability of me to keep things going the way I hope it will go, it's going to be miserable 2024. But if my foundation and my rock and my hope is secured in that which is beyond me, it's my belief in that which I don't even control. I believe in what God has promised. I believe in what God says he will do. I believe in God's ability because I have none of myself. It is what my foundational belief is on that will determine whether or not I can find genuine happiness throughout the year no matter what I face we need to be able to rejoice in in, in these following evidences let me just give you a few minutes and I'll I'll remind you second Timothy uh, 1 12 Paul said for that uh, which uh, for the which cause I also suffer these things he talked about things that he was suffering (laughs) things he was dealing with nevertheless I am not ashamed for I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. Paul said, where does my confidence come from to keep plowing forward even when I hit rocks in the dirt? (laughs) What happens when I hit sufferings? What happens when I hit problems? What happens when I hit obstacles and I can't figure out what's going on? (laughs) How do I get through it and move on and just and see what God wants to accomplish? I know in whom I have believed. I know in whom I am, uh, am established in and it's not in me it can't be in me because i let me i let me down anybody else here have that problem you ever look in the mirror and glare at yourself been there done that way too many times but here's the thing though i let myself down i have a god who's never let me down therefore what do i believe we say oh i gotta be i gotta be careful we gotta move but we say we have a lot of things that we believe out of this book but then we don't live like we believe it. I believe God can. And then, and, and, and then you know, we, we go to scriptures about how, how powerful he is and how strong he is and how he can do anything in time, on time, every time, just the way it needs to be done. I believe that's the God I serve. And then troubles come and we fall to pieces like no one out there can help us. Well, I thought we said we believe that God is always there. We believe that God will help us through. Doesn't mean you're not going to hurt. Doesn't mean you're not going to sorrow. Doesn't mean you're not going to have struggles. But it does mean I have a place that when I feel myself acting like somebody who has no hope, I need to remind myself what I believe in. I have a God who can help me when I feel like I'm helpless. Where is my belief anchored? Believe in Scripture, and act upon it. Uh, Here's some for you, okay, very quickly. Uh, Believe in his power to save. Well, I just don't know if that person will ever, ever, ever soften up. Hey, believe in his power to save. Listen, uh, Hebrews 7.25, wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. (laughs) 
He is able to save from the guttermost to the uttermost. There, there is no one out there. You say, well, I've met some that are pretty tough cases. Yeah, but I still serve a God who's able to bring conviction and soften hearts and open doors of opportunity. I still serve a God that when nobody will listen to me, he still has a way of getting in and dealing with a heart. That, that neighbor that irritates the fire out of you, that coworker that honestly you wish would go ahead and just quit because then you could actually have peace in the workplace. I mean, that individual that is the worst of the worst of the worst, and you're like, there's no hope for them. Hold on a second. Do we believe that God can save anyone? Do we believe that he died for the whole world and he was buried and rose again that he might be able to be the savior of any whosoever would call upon him do we believe it yes then when we look and say well that's a hopeless case we might as well just be saying i really don't believe god can do you believe it his power to save how about believing in his his power uh, to strengthen uh, philippians uh, uh, 4.13, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. I, a, I got a whole message on that and another passage of scripture I'm working on right now. We'll get to that one later. But as a whole, I can do all things. Now that, that's not just, stop using that as a, as, as a poster on Facebook 24-7. Because here's the thing, I can do all things. Go back and look at that scripture and see what it's really talking about. It's talking about being victorious over my flesh. It's not saying, well, I, I can, I, I know, I know that I can, I can get that promotion because I can do all things through Christ with strength. That has, okay, okay, fine, you're using that verse in a way to say that if God wants it, I know I can do it and I can accomplish it. That's fine, okay, but that's not what the verse means. The verse is talking about knowing that without him I'm doomed because, as Christ said, without me ye can do nothing. But I know that through Christ, I can do all things, which means there is nothing out there that I can't conquer against this flesh. I can be victorious in this flesh and in this life. I don't have to give in to that attitude. I don't have to give in to that mentality. I don't have to give in and look like the, as my dad used to always say, the north end of a southbound mule. I don't have to be that person who looks like a lost person when I actually claim to be a saved person because I can do all things through Christ. I have not in myself the ability to be what I need to be, but through Christ, he can make me victorious over anything that would want me to stumble and trip over. Satan wants me to, to, to stumble. Satan wants me to trip. He wants me to fall. He wants me to be, be flat on my face. I have the ability to be victorious because I can, with Christ's help, do all things. And so his power to strengthen. Uh, 2 Timothy 4, 16 and 17, or the first part of verse number 17, says, At my first answer, no man stood with me, but all men forsook me. I pray, God, that it may not be held uh, laid, laid to their charge. Notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. Here's, here's Paul talking about the struggles he went with, even when he was all by himself. No one stood with him, and yet the Lord was there. 
No one was there to say, you go get it. You're doing a great job. You don't quit. There was no cheerleading squad with Paul. Matter of fact, most of them were antagonizing him and attacking him and trying to stop him. And yet he said, the Lord was with me and he strengthened me. He went on to say, he did all that. Why? In the last, first part there of verse number 17 in 2 Timothy 4, he said that by me the preaching might be fully known and that all the Gentiles might hear. God strengthened me that I might accomplish what he desired for me to accomplish. Listen, I don't know what God has for you to accomplish in 2024 for him, but he will when it is, if it is within his will and is within his plan and you are following his way and the steps that he lays out, he will have and always will be the one to give the strengthening needed to accomplish that which he desires through your life if you're doing that which you know to do. And there's a happiness in knowing that it's not in my strength that it's going to be accomplished or I don't have to rely just on me. It is truly what the Lord can do to help. Then also, uh, not only his power to save, his, his power to strengthen, his power to protect. The last part of verse number 17 in, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, it says, and Paul said in continuing what we just read, he said, and I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. <laughs> Paul said, God not only strengthened me, but he also protected me. Does it mean that Paul didn't go through, you know, God, God saved Paul from all issues? Well, no, he actually got stoned to death. I would call that a pretty serious issue. Uh, he was run out. He, he spent most of his time in prison. I mean, think about it. Paul had to even say, be not ashamed of the gospel or of me, his servant. <laughs> Don't be ashamed. Why was Paul telling the church not to be ashamed? Because he spent most of the time in prison. Uh, he, I mean, he was a, a, uh, an inmate for the majority of, of his ministry. And may I say, it's real easy when somebody spends a lot of time in prison to look and say, well, he must just really be causing problems everywhere he goes. I don't know that we want to have, you know, Paul just got out of prison. Please, Lord, don't bring him over here. Please don't bring him over here. Boy, I just, I just don't know what to think about that guy. He spends all his time in prison. Paul said not, hey, don't be ashamed of the gospel, nor of me, the servant of God. His, I'm God's prisoner. If he wants me in prison to have ministry, well, I guess I got a prison ministry from the inside. But... Paul knew what it was to have not only the strengthening, but the protection of the Lord. I, I, I'm moving quickly. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Uh, it says, and Jesus came and spake unto them saying, here we go. This is the promise here. All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I commanded you. And lo, I am with you. You always, even unto the end of the world, amen. That alone is a promise that he will protect. And the last thing underneath this is believe in his power to provide. Psalm 23, verse number one is one of the easiest verses to keep in mind. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. It's a confidence. He's my shepherd, and as, as the sheep, 
I'm not going to have any need of want. The shepherd is not going to forget about me. The shepherd's not going to fail to feed me. The shepherd's not going to fail to take me by the still waters and let me get something to drink. By the way, you understand he didn't just, it doesn't say he just, he takes me by the streams and the rippling brooks. No, if you take a sheep down to moving water, they'll drown. It can't be stagnant and growing stuff, but it can't be moving water either because they, when they put their nose in there, they'll literally drown while they try to drink. Therefore, the shepherd has to know that it's good water and it's safe water, and he gives them the water that is needed. And he says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And then he talks about being led in the pastures and, le- and, and, and taken by still waters, all about exactly God knowing what we need, how we need it, when we need it, providing it, knowing that he will provide all I need. Philippians 4.19, Paul reminded the the church at at Philippi, he said uh, to those individuals there gathered together, he said, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. We say we believe God can provide and then we look and say, well, I don't know if God can help me with this one. Do you believe it or not? He may not make you a millionaire, but he's not going to let you go hungry either. Well, I'm pretty hungry. Well, we could all use a few less meals. Have you looked around at Americans? Really? Have you looked at We are the fattest country in the entire world. I have to say I have joined the ranks. <clears throat> but I could use a few pounds less. So if God says you're going to go without an extra meal, you're going to go without an extra meal. He's never going to let me starve. But he might let me go a little hungry so I seek his face even closer. That's a thought for you. Moving on. Not only believe, but how about number two? I got to move. Behave. Hmm. Ouch. Go with me very quickly. Got your Bible? Go with me over to Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2, just after 2 Timothy. Titus 2. And and dealing with with things to behave, this is just going to give us a, a kind of a trigger point. But in, in Titus 2, 11 and 12, it says, Knowing that he that is such is uh, subverted and sinneth being condemned of himself, when I shall send uh, Artemis unto thee, or Tychicus, be diligent to come unto me to uh, Nicopolis, for I have determined there to winter. Now, you say, what does that have to do with anything? Paul is looking here with Titus, and he's giving instruction to Titus, and he, he's laying out to Titus that there's, there's some things that need to be done. And I'm sorry, oh, I, I, wrong, sorry, I looked at chapter 3. Chapter 3, it still applies there too, I'm reading the wrong one. Uh, but in, in chapter 2, you, you're right, everybody's like, well, that's interesting, it's not what I'm reading. All right, chapter 2, verse 11 and 12, it still applies there as well because they're talking about behaving. Yeah, okay, he's, de- he's dealing with Titus on that one. But let's, let's move over, I'm not going to go that direction with it, all right? But verse 11 and 12, uh, it says, for the grace of God that bringeth salvation, that sound better? Okay, for the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. The, the, the living 
uh, soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world is coupled with the denying ungodliness and worldly lusts. So what is that when I deny one thing and I follow another, when the Bible has given me clear direction of what's what and what I should do? If I'm, if I'm denying that which I should deny and I'm following that which I should follow, then according to the word of God, I am being obedient and behaving that which I have been taught to follow. And it's a, it, this is not just to anybody, but this is to the entire church. This is to all those who are, call themselves a child of God. We are commanded to deny ungodliness. Now, look and say, oh, yeah, I don't want to be ungodly. Oh, no, whoo, whoo, don't want to do those. Oh, no, that, that would be a bad testimony. Okay, so let's say we got that one under control. Now let's go to one that's a little bit harder. Worldly lusts. covetousness. Oh, <laughs> I want that. 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 Ooh, that's a really nice car. I got to have one. Or no, don't, don't, don't understand. I'm not, I'm not preaching at anybody. <laughs> if anything, it did, I have to watch it myself. Y'all, y'all understand that uh, cell phone companies are in business because people can't be happy with what they got. The reason they promote the new phones is because they know if they put it in front of you and they make it look beautiful and they spin it around and it sparkles and it shines and they show you all this different stuff you can do with it. By the way, half the stuff they tell you and show you you can do with it, you never do that with it. No, but I could. Yeah, but you don't. And so they sell you and all this stuff. Why? Because they know if they can make it glimmer and shine and they can make it look better than what you have right now, your natural desire to have can overwhelm your common sense of whether or not you can afford it. And therefore, you will buy, and you will go, and you will get. You have a phone that's only one year old, and it's barely even half used. But I'm going to go ahead and turn this one in, and I'm going to not get near the money out of it that I've already put into it. But I'm going to turn it in, go upside down to have a brand new phone that I can continue paying them for. And the price goes up by at least a couple hundred dollars every single time. By the way, the price goes up. The, the, the parts get cheaper and the phones last even less time every single time. Why is it that they say, oh, stronger and better, and it's the first thing that breaks? Because it's meant to make you want more. It's meant to make you want better. It's meant to make you say, I'm not satisfied. What is that? Worldly lust. Well, I'm not going to live ungodly. Oh, no, I don't want to live you know, in, in a wicked way. But this thing of being content and not wanting, 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 and having, 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 give me, give me, that's hard. Yeah, but the Bible says it's both denying ungodliness and worldly lust. We are to live soberly, righteously, and godly, not after this present world, in this present world. That's tough, but that is just a matter of behaving. Uh, somebody said it this way, boy, I, mm, 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 there's so much information. 
Somebody accurately said, what we do speaks so loud that others cannot hear what we say. Let's see if I can say the poem without getting tongue twisted. Your walk talks and your talk talks, but your walk talks more than your talk talks. So when you walk and you talk, remember your walk talks the loudest. Cha-ching, got it. All right. I'm not going to do it again because I made it one time. But what we do speaks way louder than what we say. Children look and children don't want to hear what you say. They want to see what you do. That's why parents sometimes use the cop out. Well, do what I say. Why? Because we definitely don't want them doing what I do. I'm sorry, I'm stepping on bad ground there. Okay, oops. If children followed their parents' example, all of us parents, if they truly followed my example in every way, exactly where are they going? That's a tough question to ask ourselves. Behaving. If I believe and I hold that belief and I act upon that belief, okay, well, do I behave? Uh, um, and here's just a couple of thoughts for you. Behaving in our public life. Uh, Matthew 5, 13 through 16 says, Ye are the salt of the earth, but if the salt had lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is henceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to, to be trodden under foot of men. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Well, I didn't want to be a, a somebody that everybody has to look up to. If you're a child of God, you automatically signed up to be spied on. If you're a child of God, you automatically signed up to put yourself under the microscope of somebody's opinion of what they think a child of God should look like and act like and speak like. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they see, may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. What is the seeing your good works? The evidence of having something that's different on the inside because of salvation through the blood of Jesus Christ. I'm a child of God, not a child of this world. Therefore, I should live accordingly that others may see. How about this? Even in our, our ministry life, what is ministry life? Well, amongst the brethren. How should I behave myself amongst the brethren? 1 Timothy 3, 14 and 15, uh, Paul said, These things write I unto thee, hoping to come unto thee shortly, but if I tarry long, what he's saying is, if it takes me a lot longer to get there uh, than I'm hoping, it doesn't matter. Regardless, these things I write unto thee, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. You know, this Bible right here actually defines in many passages of Scripture how God's people should behave amongst themselves. How a Christian should behave in the sight of a lost world, but how God's people should behave with each other. The whole idea of schisms and fights and, and divisions within the church is completely against the truth of God's word. God hates it. Matter of fact, he even said that it's an abomination. What is an, what, what's, what's the, out of all the things that he says that, that, that he hates, he said one is an abomination, and that is the, the last one on the list. They that soweth discord among the brethren. Yikes. God never describes anything with more vehement disgust 
than when he says it's an abomination to me. And he says, sowing discord amongst God's people. That's how he feels about it. So it shouldn't be in the church. How do we behave ourselves as a child of God in the, in the onlooking eyes of the world? How do we behave ourselves uh, amongst each other when we come together? The Bible gives clear descriptions of that. The question is, we hear it, we know it, but do we behave it? You want to find happiness, you find happiness in obedience to what God has given. I believe it, I behave it, very quickly, beware. There's, there's, there's a, a, a things to be aware of. To be forewarned is to be forearmed. In other words, be ready for the battle. The Word of God gives us ample warning uh, to beware of certain real dangers that confront us in our daily Christian life. Very quickly, here they are. The deception of men, Colossians 2.8. Says that uh, tells us, beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. Be careful who you listen to. Be careful who you follow. Oh, here you go. You ready? Be careful what books you read, even if they claim to be Christian books. Be careful what authors you follow. Be careful what influences you let in, whether it's, it's teachers uh, from, from a, a class or, or a pulpit even, or those that you read books and you let through your eyes and into your brain and then settle to your heart. Be careful the people you let influence your thinking, even if they claim to be spiritual. Because there's a big difference between godly and spiritism. Or if you want to say it, spiritualism and spiritism. Two different things, but oftentimes people just mix the whole together and make it sound like it's all spiritual. Not always. There should be some discernment. It, we're warned, watch for the deceptions of men. If they turn you from Christ or teach you the, the mentalities of the world and say, well, hey, it's okay to go ahead and, 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 and be really upset and just let people know what you think every now and then, it's okay. By the way, the only thing going to tell you that is the flesh. The Bible teaches me that I'm to live peaceably with as much that lies in me. Well, what lies in me? Christ lies in me. And if he can say, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do, how could he not help me also have the same mentality if I let him? So deceptions of man, uh, mentalities of man, don't be careful with that. But then also the snare of the devil. That's a very simple one, very uh, elementary. First Peter 5, 8, be sober, be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, is a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Uh, first, uh, 2 Corinthians 2, 9 uh, through 11, for, for to this end uh, also did I write that I might know the proof of you whether ye be obedient in all things to whom ye forgive anything I forgive also. For if I forgave anything to whom I forgave it for your sakes forgave I it in the person of Christ he's just dealing with uh, letting some things go <laughs> letting let, just stop holding on to the grudges forgive but here's what he says why why forgive why have the heart of forgiveness why have the heart of Christ 
in that area of forgiveness and watching out uh, that we be not, be, be not ones that hold on to bitterness and anger and malice towards others. Why? Verse number 11 of 2 Corinthians chapter 2 says, lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. You realize when we get at odds, whether it's family, whether it's friend, whether it's coworker, whether it's church, we get at odds with individuals, Satan gets an advantage over our minds and our hearts and our actions. We are not to be ignorant of his devices. We're to be aware, beware, be aware of Satan's devices and know that, by the way, just a reminder, people are not your enemy. People are just pawns. They're used by your real enemy to get your focus off the one that you should be fighting. That goes for all of us. It's so easy to focus on the person or the issue and not remember that it's Satan behind the scenes using these things to try to make God's people of none effect. Uh, Lastly on that one is this. We're warned to beware of our own selves. Romans 7, 18, for I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing for to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good, I find not. Luke 12, 15, and he said unto them, take heed and beware of covetousness for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. Beware of yourself. Uh, That good old saying, follow your heart. No, Hallmark, don't follow your heart because your heart is deceitful above all and desperately wicked. Who can know it? What shall I follow? Truth. Follow that which I know and do it according to the word of God. How am I going to be happy in this life? (laughs) It's got to be centered from here. (laughs) What I believe, I act upon and I live. What I'm taught to, to, to follow, I behave. And, and through that also, not only in, in, in believing and, uh, and, and behaving, but being aware of those things which I need to watch for. And here's the last one and I'm done. And here's probably the most precious thing, belonging. Believe, behave, beware, and belong. It is impossible to truly uh, be happy without a sense of belonging. Now, I am not of this world. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. Why is this, home, this world not my home? Because uh, the child of God can't always feel at home in the world. But I have a place I can feel at home while here living on this earth. What is that place? There's two different areas, and I'll just give you these very quickly. Two different places that the child of God can rejoice in, that I belong. I found a place that I belong. I fit in. First of all, and that's belonging to Christ. I fit in with my Savior. I can't take you there. I wish I could. I don't have time. But write down Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11 through verse number 18. Ephesians 2, 11 through 18, belonging to Christ. Galatians 3, 26 says, For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. 
Uh, 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20, it says, What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own, for ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and, your spirit, and in your spirit, which are God's. I need to belong to him. He, he is mine, I am his, now I need to act like it. I need to belong to him. He's my master. He's my leader. He's the king of my life. He's the one that's going to direct me. How am I going to be happier than when I'm making him happy with my life? How am I going to find any more belonging than when I'm finding myself faithful in his service? Boy, I belong to him. It's a wonderful thing to belong to him, but it it fits even more, and I know it even more when I live like I belong to him. I'm not my own. I can't call my own shots. There are some things I really wish I could do in the flesh. Let me get you straighten this out. In the flesh, there are some things I wish I could do. There are some things, to a degree, I, I wish I could just give in and say, you know, it doesn't really matter. It's all okay. You can do whatever you want. There are some times I really wish I could just say that because it may be so much easier just to wipe wash it and move on so much easier not to have to take a stand for some things that are hard to stand for there are times i wish i could just say it doesn't matter but it does well why you got to be so stubborn because he told me i don't have a choice If I want to please him without faith, it is impossible to please him. Without following him, it is impossible to please him. Without obeying him, it is impossible to please him. I'm not trying to earn my salvation, but I'm trying to show that which I've been given by being faithful to the one whom I belong to. And there's something precious and sweet about knowing I belong to Christ. You could also just write this one down, 1 Corinthians 7, 22 and 23. 1 Corinthians 7, 22 and 23. And here's the last, we're done. And may I say, it, people have lowered this, and people have made this one not seem like a big deal anymore. Uh, people have made this as though it doesn't matter anymore. But belonging to the church. Belong, listen, I go out in this world and I have a hard time finding a place where I fit in. I, love, I don't mind going to ball games, but I'll be honest with you. Uh, you go to a ball game and see if the atmosphere around, around you really makes you feel like you fit in. There's a lot of places that I, I, I don't mind going. I like going. I like being around some things and, and enjoying some things that others get to enjoy as long as it's not in sin. But as a whole, there are some things I, I, I like to participate in. But at the same time, I find myself surrounded by an environment that I just don't feel like I belong in. It doesn't fit for me. And then I come to the house of God. And I get around God's people. And I get into conversations with God's people. Hey, get into conversations at a ball field. And see how fast it goes filthy. Uh, Matter of fact, just go to work, right? And see how fast the conversation goes to something that just like... I'm just not comfortable where that's heading. I know where it's going. I know what they're going to do. They're going to make something sick and filthy out of something that is supposed to be innocent. 
Trust me, I know. I taught in a public school for several years. I got to be finished. But I taught in a public school for several years uh, uh, dealing with character classes. I'm there teaching biblical character classes. I can't explain how all that works, but we did it in a legal format, legal way. It's wonderful. Loved it. Did it for 12 years. Look forward to one day maybe even doing it here. But as a whole, we get in there and I'm teaching these classes. I learned very quickly, you better be up to date on the new change definitions of words. And phrases. You take a phrase that used to mean just a, a standard daily operation of something, and you take that phrase now, and you, you, I would use a phrase to get a point across, and they would start snickering and laughing and, 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 and telling jokes. I knew instantly I just gave them ammunition. I don't know what I gave them. I don't know what in the world they just did with that. But I, I said something that most the generations in here would understand what it would mean, and it means nothing wrong and nothing filthy, and, and it describes a, uh, an activity of life, and it, or it describes a, a workplace scenario or something. And, and you're just, you just say something, and all of a sudden, they've turned it filthy. I've been in public school and felt like I didn't belong in the classroom with where, where they were going with the conversation. By the way, that's why the house of God is to be a haven for the eyes and the ears and the hearts and the minds of God's people. We should be able to come here and talk about the things of God. We should be able to come here and talk about the blessings of God. We should be able to come here and weep with one another over, over the sorrows and struggles and come here and rejoice one another over the blessings and the things that God has done and the ways that he's come through. Uh, we should be able to come in and just have a normal, not even spiritual, but just a normal, simple conversation without having to worry about it going dirty. Because this is where I belong. I fit with God's people more than anywhere else. Which is why I enjoy being around God's people. And why I enjoy keeping God's people here forever because we just spend so much time together. We like it. Anyway, but I'm done. Write, write just a couple more verses down. Romans 12, 3 through 5. You say, why you got to give all these references? Because you need to understand it's in the Bible. It's not just me saying it. Romans 12, 3 through 5 I said the fifth verse says, so we being many are one body in Christ and every one members one of another, belonging together. Romans 12, 10, be kindly kindly affection one another with brotherly love and honor preferring one another. My preference is God's people because that's where I belong. And then Hebrews 10, 24 through 25 we know that, that where, it's, where it talks about not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together. And so much more as you see the day approaching. Amen. And boy, we are there. Say, preacher, so what was this all about? I hit a whole bunch of stuff. It did more like a, shot, a shotgun scattergun. <laughs> but here's the thing. How, how to be happy, how to find happiness, okay? Finding that happiness, true, genuine happiness in the new year. How is a child of God going to learn to be happy throughout the entire new year in the midst of no matter what we face? Well, I'm going to learn to believe and follow that which I believe from God's word. I'm going to learn to behave and know that which I'm commanded by God I should do, and I'm going to be obedient to what God has told me to do as his child. 
I'm going to understand that there are things I need to be aware of, and I'm going to be on guard, and I'm going to let God's word teach me how to put the armor of God on that I might stand against the wiles of the devil and having done all to stand. I'm going to learn that through God and I'm going to actually beware of that which is around me so I don't get distracted and think that it's someone else that's the enemy when it's actually Satan. And then I'm going to learn as a child of God, I'm going to learn how to belong. I belong to him. And I belong in the midst of his people. That's where I fit. And that's where I want to serve. How am I going to find true happiness? Believing, behaving, bewaring, and belonging. Pretty simple as a whole. And it's all founded right in here. Founded in this book. Stable, set, on a solid foundation. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for...